Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the celebration we have in knowing Jesus. We come now and we say Jesus is Lord and we honor you, Lord Jesus, with our lives. We honor you with our tongues and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for salvation in your name. We thank you for the grace and mercy that you've extended to each of us and you've shown us in our own personal lives in so many ways. We thank you for the sweet spirit in this place and we thank you for the fellowship and joy we have together in coming to the throne of grace to say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. We crown you, Lord Jesus. We give you honor and glory. We bless you with all of our soul today. Heavenly Father, we ask that today now as we continue in worship, as we hear the word of God, as we open your, the word of God, your word, we pray that it might have an impact on our personal lives and that we might truly be changed by and challenged by what we hear today. We pray for those who are here today who do not have assurance of salvation. We pray for those who are struggling to experience and accept assurance of salvation for those who have gained victory in knowing you as Lord and Savior. We pray, Lord, for the various conditions people are in today spiritually, and we ask that by the Holy Spirit that men and women and boys and girls might, in the next few moments, have some time without distraction for just a little while, and that the cares and worries of the world and the difficulties of life will be put aside, that the Word of God might find a place in our minds that we might truly be blessed because we hear your word. So now, Lord, we ask that you would open our minds to your word and that we might receive it with humility. Forgive us of our sins, and we thank you for the joy of being together to have fellowship around your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, again, good morning. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're our guest with us here today, we're delighted to have you. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Take your Bible, find your place in your copy of God's Word. 1 John, it's toward the back of the New Testament. 1 John, John the Apostle, one of those who walked with Jesus. This is his letter to Christians, one of three. And today we're looking at a very important topic. We're talking about the importance of having assurance of salvation. It is the idea that you can know <clears throat> for certain that you are saved, that you're born again. We've looked at this for some time, and in the early days, we've looked at the danger of false assurance. Now we come to, uh, in the days ahead, beginning today and the days ahead, to think about and talk about what it means to have blessed assurance. And that's what we'll be thinking about. First John chapter 2. Let's read God's Word together. First John chapter 2. Follow along. Beginning in verse number 1, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, the one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. 
By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says that he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our focal truth today is this, that assurance of salvation, blessed assurance of salvation comes from obedience to Christ's commands. How do I know that I'm saved? Well, I do what Jesus Christ says. How can I be sure that I am a Christian? Well, I do what Jesus Christ commands. I live by the commands of Jesus Christ. Because I live by the commands of Jesus Christ, I obey them. I obey them. I don't disregard them. I don't dismiss them. I don't rebel against them. Because I obey the commands of Jesus Christ, I live in obedience to His commands, I'm saved. This is the first mark of assurance that we learn from John. I've asked you week by week as I've spoken to you, are you personally, now this is for you personally, you must answer this question for your own, for yourself. Uh, it may not matter to you that much today, but one day it will. One day it will. Are you 100% certain? Are you 100% assured that today, if you die today, or whenever you die, you will, you're going to heaven? If you say, oh yes, Pastor Mike, I am 100% certain. Well, why are you 100% certain? Certainly you're not going to say, well, because I'm a good person. Certainly you're not going to say, because, well, everybody goes to heaven. Certainly you're not going to make up some excuse. You're going to understand from the Word of God the marks, uh, the assurance that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. We're trying to answer the why. Why do we know? Why can we have assurance that we're 100% certain that we go to heaven? Or as one fellow said, you know that you know that you know that when you die, you go to heaven. Well, that's, that's the promise of the Word of God. Some try to take that away. Others try to dismiss that, that you can't have that. But the Word of God makes it very clear that you can come to know and have a blessed assurance all the days of your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your circumstances are, that you are saved. We're going to focus on three verses primarily today from these words that we've read. Hope you'll keep your Bible open because I want to point them out to you. There are three observations that I want us to make today, and I have them here on the screen for you. Number one is found in verse number three. By this... We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Number one, you can be certain you know God, and I'll elaborate on this in just a moment. You can be certain you know God because you obey Christ's commands. This is what he's saying. By this we know that we have come to know Him 
if we keep his commandments. Number two is found in verse number five. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. First we saw in verse three, by this we know that we have come to know him. Now in verse number five, by this we know that we are in him. You see, you can be certain you live in God, and I can say this, God lives in you because you have obeyed Christ's commands and it produces an amazing relationship between you and God. As a result of you are obeying God, which expresses your love for God, there comes to be a marvelous, almost indescribable relationship between you and God. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Number three, we read in verse number 10, the one who loves his brother abides in the light. Who is the light? Well, we read it earlier in John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 5. God is light. God is the light. The light, all light is in God. He created light, but he is light. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. If we, verse number 10, the one who who loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. Number three, you can be certain that you live in God's light because you love other people. These are the three things that I want us to talk about for a moment. So let's get to it. First of all, you can be certain you know God because you obey Christ's commands. Knowing Christ is more than knowing facts about God. A lot of people in this room know facts about God. And you're, you're quite proud of the fact that you have facts about God. Knowing facts about God is where we start. But because we know facts about God, we want to have a relationship with God and know Him. So this idea of knowing here, verse number 3, by this we know that we have come to know him. You see this word know means it is a word that has more to do with experience of knowledge. All of us in here who have children and grandchildren, we've, we've come to know our children by experience. We live together. We, we know their ways. We know their behavior. We know them. We know them like strangers don't know them. We know them. If we, by this, we know that we have come to know him. The, the first no is a statement of assurance. We've, we have an assured understanding, a knowledge that we have come to know God. We, we know him. Husbands and wives in here, as you're married, the longer you're married, the better you know each other. You finally get to the place where you've been married long enough that you can complete each other's sentences. I, I wouldn't advise that for the men in here. You just need to be quiet and let your wives say whatever they want. But you grow in your knowledge of each other. You know each other's ways and behavior and mannerisms and personality. This is what happens when we know God through the Lord Jesus Christ. When I come to know Jesus Christ, when I come to know Jesus Christ, that is, and I have a personal relationship with Him, I know Him as Savior. You see, when you first come to know Jesus Christ, you know what the most wonderful truth is? That He is your Savior. He saves you. He saves you from your sin. He saves you from your sin because He died on the cross. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Savior. He is our Savior. We celebrate that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. You shall call His name Jesus, for He shall save 
His people from their sins. He is Yeshua. He is God saves. We celebrate and praise the Lord Jesus. We crown Him as Savior. When you first come to know Jesus Christ, when I first came to know Jesus Christ, I learned about the wonderful fact that He had saved me from the horror and the sinfulness of my sin. And I came to, He saved me from hell and separation forever. He saved me from an old uh, way of life, a fleshly way of life that had no hope and no, no, no chance for any, any enjoyment in life and satisfaction. He saved me. Jesus is my Savior. We come to know Him as Savior, but we also come to know Him as Lord. Paul said it. How did he say it? We talk about it all the time. I quote it to you all the time. Uh, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. This is what we do. We, all, we celebrate that he is our Savior, but listen to me now. He is our Lord. And as our Lord, the word Lord means boss. He's boss of bosses. He's boss of all bosses. He's the boss. He's the boss alone. He is the Lord of all. He is Lord above all. He is King of kings, Lord of lords. And as King and Lord, listen, He gives His people commands. Not suggestions, not ideas, commands. There is a clear cut picture here that we must understand as believers. We are those who follow Jesus and follow the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus has given us his commands. Oh, the red letter words of your uh, gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give you all of these things in detail. They give you all of these words, all of these, not even all that was said, but enough for us to know that he is Lord for us to live our life in joy. He's given to us. But sometimes some of us get hung up on this idea where John says, by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Let me talk about obedience for a moment. You see, for some of us in this room, here's a real stumbling block to your assurance. Because you say to yourself, well, if I was really a, a, a real Christian and I really was saved, I'd keep all of Christ's commands. Well, that's our ambition, but we never do. That's why John begins 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone sins... And that's why up in chapter 1, verse number 9, the great verse we quote, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. Yes, it is my... Hear me now, I want to, I want to make this statement to you. You see, sincere obedience is what we're talking about. When I come to be saved, when I come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there is in me a sincere desire to obey what Jesus has said for me to do. It happens all the time with new Christians. You, you share with them, they, they come to know Christ, and you know what they say? Well, what do I do? What do I do? Not only what must I do to be saved, but now what do I do that I'm saved? That's a great question. That means, so how do I follow Jesus Christ? Listen, when you come to know Christ, there, is a, there, there comes to be inside of you something you didn't have before you knew Christ. Before all you wanted to do was do your own thing, do it your own way and live in rebellion. But when you come to know Christ, sincere obedience, a sincere desire to obey Christ comes, but it's not perfect obedience. It's gospel obedience. Let me say it again. Sincere obedience is not perfect obedience. 
It is gospel grace-filled obedience. We obey the Lord and He sees our heart. He sees that we desire it. He sees that we want to, we want to obey Him. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said about the importance of obeying Him. I'll just quote you a few things here. If you take notes, I'll, I'll try not to go too fast, but I want you to hear these words. John 5, 24. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, he who hears my voice. Hear the word of the Lord Jesus now. He who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Have you heard the word of the Lord? Have you heard? That means that you've heard it and received it and responded to it and accepted it. And those who hear my words and believe him who sent me have he has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Let me go on. John chapter 8, verse number 31. This is about the importance of knowing God by obeying Christ. Listen, John 8, 31. If you continue in my word, the Lord Jesus said to some Jews who were choosing to follow him. If you continue in my word, that means you continue to obey the word of the words of the Lord Jesus. If you continue in my word, then you're truly my disciples. Pause right here. If you say you're a Christian today, that means you're obeying the commands of Christ. That means you're obeying the commands of Christ in your lifestyle, in your business, in your attitudes, in your words, whether you're in secret or whether you're in public, you are the same. You are an obedient follower of Jesus Christ and you are keeping his word. John 8, 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. What an amazing statement from the Lord Jesus Christ. We obey the words of Jesus Christ so that we might have eternal life. And we have eternal life because we have put our faith. Number one, we heard his, we heard his call. Believe. Whosoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. And we believed the first act of obedience is my faith in Jesus Christ. And then a life of obedience comes and follows after. You see, unbelievers do not, do not obey Jesus Christ. You might come to church. You might say you're a Christian. But if you do not obey the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian. You might be a religious person. You might be a very fine moral person, but that does not make you a Christian by going to church. You do it when you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ by faith in Him, but you also become an obedient follower of Jesus. You obey Him. I must read these words to you. These are warnings from the Lord Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord, John chapter 12, 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings, he has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him the last day. Oh, I stand before God. Well, I'll just stand before God and I'll, I'll do the best I can. Well, you see, the words of the Lord Jesus that you rejected will be what judge you on the last day. Jesus goes on and says in another place, John 14, 24. This is quite a strong statement now. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. They are words of warning. They are words to call us to pay attention to ourselves. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you heard is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Listen, if you say you love Jesus, but you don't obey Jesus, you don't love Jesus. If you say you love Jesus, but you don't obey Jesus, 
you don't love Jesus. You might love all the things and be caught up in all the religious things. Maybe you grew up that way. Your family's very religious and you've got it all done. You know all the songs, you know all the hymns. Oh, how I love Jesus, but I hate my neighbor. Oh, how I love Jesus, but I commit adultery. Oh, how I love Jesus, I cheat and steal and I'm a coveter. Oh, how I love Jesus. No, no, you, you can't love Jesus and live in contradiction to what the Lord Jesus has said to do. You love Jesus and you obey Him. And the Lord said, He does not love me who does not keep my words. So first, you can know for certain that you, you can have an assurance of salvation if you are one who sincerely desires to obey the commands of Jesus Christ. Secondly, you can be certain you live in God. Now, this is a long sentence, but stay with me now. I'm trying to elaborate or explain verse 5. You can be certain you live in God and God lives in you because your obedience to Christ's commands produces a loving relationship with Him. Oh, look at these wonderful words. These are special words now. These are words just for you. These are words of assurance. But whoever keeps his word, whoever is obeying Jesus Christ, look at this, in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Wait a minute. So something's happening on the inside. You can't see it. I've often said to you as a church all these years, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you don't gain weight. You don't lose weight. Your hair color doesn't change. Your eye color doesn't change. You have the same name, but you're not the same person. You are new in Christ. And as a result of that, something's happened on the inside. I've said repeatedly to this church over the years that I have been here, if you know Jesus Christ and you're saved, you're born again, you're a new person, listen, and you are now possessed by God. God possesses you. God is now in you by the Holy Spirit. He controls you. He prompts you in your thinking. He affects your feelings and emotions and desires. You are now a possessed one by God. You're no longer possessed by your old fleshly ways. They don't drive you. You're now driven by the Holy Spirit of God. And as a result of that, you experience the perfecting love of God in your life. When you obey, when you obey, when you do what Jesus Christ says, you're expressing your love for him. The Lord said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The first act of love for God is to do what he says. In fact, the Lord Jesus said something quite profound in uh, John 14, 23. Listen, I'll read it to you. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Uh, John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to Him and make our abode with Him. You know what pleases God the Father more than anything else? When you obey Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And as a result of that, guess what happens? You have emotions. You have emotions. Here's what this describes. The best way to describe this is a simple way of describing this perfecting of the love of God in us. God loves us. We love Him. 
God loves us, we love Him. We love Him and we obey Him. And God loves us. God loves us and we walk with Him. God loves us, we obey Him. We pray, we worship, we serve, we tell others about Jesus. We love our enemies. We do for others what they will not do for us. We do to others as we'd want them to do to us. You see, this is that mutual relationship that you now have as a follower of Jesus. It affects your emotions, my friend. That's why we're talking assurance is an emotional thing I'm talking about. When you're saved, you have emotional assurance. You have an, a, a certainty, not based on your arrogance and your own good ways. You have an assurance because guess what? The love of God has come on you and around you and filled you by the Holy Spirit. And He assures you, He pours out the love of God upon you and reminds you, you are loved by God. And maybe for some of you in this room today, this is the first time you've ever heard anybody tell you this, but God loves you. He loves you in your sinfulness. God loves you in your wickedness. God loves you in your ungodliness, but God also loves you in your holiness. God loves you in your godliness. God loves you in your ways. And there is this mutual relationship that is an experience of emotion. When I know God loves me through Jesus Christ, there is this giving back to Him in love. There is an, ex an experience of assurance. What have I shared with you before? 1 John 4.16 is the definition for assurance in this book. We have come to believe and to know. We have come to believe and know the love of God, what He has for us. That's assurance. I can go through anything in life. I can face any troubles. I can deal with any circumstances when I know that I am loved by Christ regardless. It is that which guides me. Paul said the love of Christ constrains us. That means it pushes us out. It directs us. The love of Christ is what we go out in the name of Jesus in the love of Christ. It is that which gives us guidance. And there is an awesomeness to this perfecting of the love of God in us. Paul said it this way, to know, he prayed for the Ephesian church as I'm praying for you, that you will know the love of Christ, listen, which passes knowledge. They'll never be long enough. We'll never live long enough. We'll never walk with God deeply enough that we'll ever be able to probe the depths and the glory of his love for us. Oh, it's not the grace of God here. The grace of God comes from the love of God. It's not the power of God. Here, oh, the power of God comes from the love of God. God is light and God is love. These are the two things that John the Apostle wants us to know. And because of that, the love of God, as He loves us, we love Him back. This is the description of that love which is perfected in us. Do you know what I'm talking about today? Only the saved in this room know what I'm talking about. You see, we love because He first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. I like what the old preacher Sib said, if we say, I am yours, if we say, I am yours, it is because He said, you are mine. I am yours, yes, and you are mine. This is that mutual loving relationship that every Christian in this room experiences. And I hope that you're experiencing these days. But there's a third thing that John says. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Abiding in Christ has to do with not only loving 
Christ, the Lord Jesus, but loving other people. And especially, let's talk about loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, in a world gone crazy, we need one another here. We need one another. Believers need one another. The global church, we need one another. All of our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world, facing all kinds of circumstances, not like us today, we must love one another. Only the saved, only those who are truly saved, love other people like Christ loved them. Only those who are truly saved, love other people like Christ loved them. What did we read in chapter 1, verse 7? If we walk in the light. That's what it means to be saved. If I walk in the light as He is in the light, I'm in, I'm in fellowship with the Lord Jesus. I have a relationship with Him. The love of God is perfected in me. I'm walking with Him. We have fellowship with one another. You see, fellowship with believers is not built on having a, a supper down in the fellowship hall. Fellowship with other believers is not built on going to class together. Fellowship with one another is based upon mutual love for each other. We love one another, and we love one another like Jesus loved us. That's what he means here when he says it's an old commandment. The Lord Jesus had said it, love one another. This is our, this is our command. It is the first of commands. It's interesting to me that the Lord could have said any number of things to the disciples in the upper room, but you know what he says to them? Love one another. You're going to need each other. In the days ahead, when I'm not here and the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to need each other. Oh, the joy of the Holy Spirit and the blessed fellowship of, we have with one another. What, what a joy that is. It gives us so that we can, we can make it through all the difficulties of life. But then he has, a, he has a reminder here of something very important. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Have you ever caused someone else to stumble in their faith? Have you ever been the cause? This is a very important question now. Has someone seen you somewhere you didn't think anybody saw you? You were somewhere where you shouldn't have been. And you've declared yourself a Christian, but they saw you and they saw what you were doing. Did you cause them to stumble and say, well, I'll never be a believer. If that's, what a, if that's what a Christian does, if that's what a Christian says, I'm not interested in that. Have you ever caused another believer to stumble? Have you ever caused another believer to stumble? John ties the danger of being a stumbling block to not loving brothers and sisters in Christ. And I would expand it to what the Lord said about loving your enemies. Do you love your enemies? Heard from somebody in our church this week and they were talking about they've been trying to be a witness at their job and they've been uh, ridiculed. They've been made fun of. They've been called names because they said that they're a Christian. That they follow Jesus. Well, why are you surprised by that? Why are you surprised? If they hated me, they will hate you, the Lord said. But you see, the Christian stands up and says, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to be like the Lord Jesus. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to give to the one who asks from me freely, and I'm not going to ask for anything back. I'm going to do unto others 
as I would have them do unto me. I'm going to, I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to pray for those who despitefully use me, abuse me, and insult me. I'm going to be like Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus said, woe to the world because of stumbling blocks. There are a lot of people. Why, there are moms and dads who keep their children from going to church. You're not going to go up there to that church house. Woe, woe to the world because of stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks will come. But woe to the man through whom the stumbling block comes. Why, if you, if you come in here, you can't talk all of that Christian talk at this job. We don't want to hear any of that up here. Right. The world's filled with stumbling blocks. The world's, but what did the Lord say to Peter, one of his own closest disciples, who was trying to correct him when the Lord said, I'm going to die. And the Lord took him aside and tried to straighten him out. And what did the Lord say? Get behind me, Satan. Let me read it to you. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but upon man's. And Paul said... That the Roman church, and I think it ought to be the motto of our church, Romans 14, 13, Therefore let us determine not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I'm asking you this today. Have you become an obstacle or a stumbling block to a brother or sister in Christ in this church? Are you an obstacle that keeps them from growing in their spiritual life. By the way you live, your attitude, what you say and what you do. Are you an obstacle? Are you a stumbling block to people you work with when they really see how you live out there all during the week? It doesn't match up with what you say when you come to the church house. You see, this is a very important matter. I'm convinced John says, here's the first way. Here's the way, you, here's the way you remove yourself from ever becoming an obstacle or a stumbling block to others. You love others like Jesus Christ loved you. You love them. This is the message of our world today. This is for us today in a world of hatefulness, rudeness, arrogance, hateful thinkers, and those who would attack and abuse others who do not agree with them and have the same opinions. We are followers of Jesus, regardless of our philosophies and our ideologies. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we love people because Christ died for all people. He died for the world. He is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours, 1 John 2, 2, but also for the sins of the world. You were one time in your sin and your ungodliness. And while you lived in your ungodliness and your wickedness, the Lord Jesus loved you. He loved you. Oh, the depth, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, we sing. Oh, the depths of the love of God. So let us consider how to love one another and stimulate each other to love and good deeds. When I love you and you love me, the obstacles and stumbling blocks are moved away. So what do we remember today from what we've talked about? Three, three or four things. Number one, blessed assurance grows in obedience to Christ's commands. Look, some of you, your assurance is not so strong. I understand that. You're looking at your life and you're thinking, well, if I, was a really a, if I was really a good Christian, I wouldn't do all of these things. Oh, my friend, listen. Listen, 
You're saved by the grace of God. You sincerely desire to obey God. There are times when you're going to fail and stumble and sin. It's not an excuse. It's going to happen. We work on not doing it. We try to kill sin. We try to avoid things that would take us into sin. But when you do praise God, He forgives you because He loves you and because He died for you. But then you go on, but you grow in your assurance. And one of the ways we grow in assurance is because of what happens when we obey Him. Look, obedience is not a one-way thing. It's what I was trying to say earlier. God's love for us produces blessed assurance in us. And because I love others and I love God, there is this mutual love of God that comes into my life and brings me joy. But I end with this statement. There are two things that cannot be undone. What you say and what you've done. Two things. Those words, yes, you can be forgiven, but they can't be undone. Ugly, hateful, destructive words. They never go away. They cannot be undone. And what else can't be undone? Terrible, horrible, disgraceful things that we have done. Oh, they can be forgiven. But they can never be undone. What did Paul say? You reap what you sow? Yes. But here's the good news. There are two things that can't be undone. When you express love for others and when you show love for others. It can never be undone. You know what? I know some people who've never become Christians, but you know what they've said? They know some people who loved them and cared about them as Christians and they've never forgotten it. Now, they didn't come to know Christ. Sometimes they do. But you can never undo expressing and showing the love of God in Christ to other people. So maybe today we need to remember that. What do we read today? By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near to the door. He is coming and we pray, come Lord Jesus.